Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we are here bringing you another episode of Kaio Cinema, and this time we're covering Dragon Ball Z, colon, Dead Zone. And if you'd been listening to Kaio Cinema this whole time, we said that this was going to be behind a Patreon wall. I'm, I'm here to say we didn't take your money. Uh, we just decided we weren't going to do that thing, and Adam's here to tell you why. Yeah, we got so much awesome feedback from folks about the first three episodes that we decided we would take it live. I mean, why not? Share the love. Everybody needs a little bit of DBZ in their life, right? That's right. And we both have lucrative day jobs. We're semi-lucrative. I'm a pastor. We don't get paid a ton. It's like <laughs> teachers. But we're fine not making money off of this. We're doing this for funsies, and we're, we're happy that conversations take place around these things, and we want more of that. So we're going we're gonna to make this as public and accessible as possible to facilitate exactly that. Absolutely. We realized, you know, if you've got something behind a paywall, less people can listen. Why do you want to do that? So we have got this public. So we hope to have a bunch of new folks hanging out in the Discord, talking with us all about DBZ or Dragon Ball, Super, whichever one, whichever one you like the most. We're not covering any GT movies, are we? Uh, Are there GT movies? That's a good question. I I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't remember. (laughs) I kind of hope not, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Um, I would say we're not watching any non-canonical movie, but then we wouldn't be watching any of these, so... That's right. All these movies are funky. Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk about that a little bit right at at the top of this this movie, actually. Uh, But we are, like I said, covering Dragon Ball Z, colon, The Dead Zone. Um, And this movie initially came out in Japan, July 15th, 1989. There was an ocean dub that came out in 97, an English dub. And then Funimation actually came out with theirs as late as 2005. That's the version that Adam and I are watching. Uh, and the uh, this was a cool piece. Th- this stuff came out so fast. I'm always shocked to see the timing of the movies versus uh, where the anime was uh, around that time. So Dragon Ball came out in April, or excuse me, Dragon Ball Z, because now we're in Z stuff. So Dragon Ball Z debuted in Japan in April of 89. This movie came out about three months after that. So really quick movement on this movie. How long had the manga been out? Do you know? Like how many chapters into the manga had they been? I didn't look that up. Yeah. I wouldn't have expected to. But I'll try to do better about that in the future. If you had known that, I would have been really impressed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, prepare to have your mind blown next episode of Kaio Cinema. Um, This movie takes place in timeline... Kind of, it's it's the same year as Raditz shows up on the Earth, and we know this because there are some official documents that that are called like the Daizenshu, uh, that are kind of like Dragon Ball encyclopedias. And in the seventh and the last one, this film, Dead Zone, and Dragon Ball Z: Colon Cooler's Revenge are the only two Dragon Ball movies that are featured on the timeline, and they place this movie in Age Seven Sixty One, which is the exact same year that Raditz arrives on Earth. So this approximately when that takes place but the movies you know it's hard to argue that they are canon yeah i feel like the only movies that are considered canon are the ones that toriyama worked on directly and this is not one of them in fact i think those only two at the moment maybe three are the new super ones um those are considered um starting with battle uh, Battle of the gods yeah resurrection f and broly you know there's some really good like reasoning behind the idea of this one at least not being canon because there are a lot of things that just don't line up like for instance you know you're saying this is in the same year that raditz showed up however we know that when raditz showed up they have the dragon balls or they have a few of them and they're active at the end of this movie the dragon balls have been used and they need at least a year downtime before they can be used again so a lot of people want to try to place it maybe at the beginning of the year. Like this happened January 1st and the first episode of Dragon Ball Z happens at the, you know, December 
29th or something, right? Like it's like literally within a year. But another popular theory that I really like is that this is just a whole separate timeline entirely. And that basically this would replace the first kind of couple episodes or first arc in Dragon Ball Z, which I kind of like too. It's like its own little MCU, you know, like movie cinematic universe. Yeah, the the biggest argument or the 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 best argument that Dead Zone has for being I'm air quoting canonical is that in Dragon Ball Z the anime Garlic Jr shows back up in a in a later saga it's like sometime after Namek I think and when he shows back up this the events of this movie are referenced however it was a filler arc so right. it itself wasn't canon so it's it's not it's non-canon material referencing other non-canon material so therefore it is still non-canon which is really crazy because when i was researching this movie and i found out that there was a garlic jr saga or arc it like blew my mind because i don't remember it i mean i i guess the last time i watched a dragon ball z watch through it was actually kai and it wasn't z so there was no filler um, but man, it's been such a long time since I watched DBZ filler that it felt weird knowing that Garlic Jr. was in the show at all. Oh man, it's it's not a terrible arc. It's pretty short too, but he shows back up with a group of cronies called the Spice Boys, and I am not <laughs> making that up. After uh, Namek? Yeah. So Goku's not even on Earth then? Uh, I don't think he is because, I th- well, Gohan's there. Yeah, Gohan's back for sure. I don't think Goku's back on Earth yet. Okay. Um, but he he basically lets out this stuff called the Blackwater Mist on Earth from Kami's lookout, and it makes everybody like super angry. It's kind of like reminiscent of the baby Vegeta stuff, the way that people kind of seem like possessed and super aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have to use this other water and pour it over the Earth in the same way that the Blackwater Mist was let out, I think, and make everybody better. And at, in the end of the movie, Garlic Jr. just, he gets out of the dead zone because the his home planet gets close to him. And then he ends up back in the dead zone at the end of this, uh, at the end of that arc again, so. <laughs> well, he, okay, he has to because he's invincible, right? I mean, we're going to get to it, but you can't just yeah, say that out in the he's, opening. He, he's immortal, yeah. <laughs> What's I've, great is I found this one person on uh, on the internet who uh, who said, oh no, this might have been from the wiki, he said, being immortal, Garlic Jr. is still trapped inside the dead zone by the end of Dragon Ball Z, and will in all likelihood remain there for the rest of eternity. Ah <laughs> oh, man, Toriyama, if you're listening, next movie, you better bring Garlic Jr. back. The, re- the, the re-return of Garlic Jr. The canonical return of Garlic Jr. <laughs> or his yeah. first appearance, I guess. I'd probably watch it, I'll be honest. Oh, no, I absolutely would. Well, why don't but you say th- we get started on Dead Zone? <laughs> All right, yeah, so this movie this movie opens up in maybe the best way possible with just Piccolo just hollering. I mean, just yes. a big old holler. He literally hollers a mountain to pieces. He's blowing stuff he, up by screaming. It's the best. Well, and he's not the, it's not the only time in this movie where a scream seems really powerful and does a thing, but... um <laughs> he threatens Goku, and then there's this strange scene. Like, Goku's not on the scene. He's just talking to himself about how he's going to get Goku real good next time. Uh, then there's these this weird scene of, like, demon-like humanoid shapes running, but, like, Baywatch running, like, slowly towards him. <laughs> uh, and then he gets sneak attacked from below, and he's just getting walloped by three fighters that are just dashing in and out, landing all these blows. They're all blurry. And then we see that there's this other big jacked figure just kind of watching from above. Uh, and kind of at the end of this very quick sequence, Piccolo presumably gets beamed to death. And at least yes. the fourth guy thinks that that's exactly what happened. And to explain to everybody who Piccolo is, in case you don't know, because we've only covered the first three Dragon Ball movies, and he's not in any of those. 
but he is a leftover from the end of Dragon Ball. Uh, he is a predominant last villain, really, uh, that carries over into DBZ and becomes an awesome protagonist. He's one of the, the you know, what do you call those? Uh, oh, the heels that turn, I guess. Heel turners or something. There's a, I feel like there's a wrestling phrase here that I'm not grasping. Yeah, but he is a he is a character that has transitioned from Dragon Ball into Dragon Ball Z, and we go right from seeing him get beamed to death to Kami, who is up on this tower. We we know that it is Kami's tower, but he is a character related to Piccolo, and he's freaking out because he thinks that Goku has like attacked Piccolo, but he knows it's not him. It's kind of weird. He's like, "Oh no, Goku!" But it's not actually you. No, and there's. There's some weirdness here because the, the Garlic Jr.'s plan, we come to find out, is, is to gather the Dragon Balls to wish to be immortal. But he must not know. In fact, we come to find out either that he doesn't know or he just forgot that if you kill Piccolo, then Kami also dies. And Kami, because he created the Dragon Balls, if he dies, then the Dragon Balls go inert and they're useless. So Garlic Jr. almost completely ruined his plan in the first like two minutes of this movie yeah which to be fair if he had actually killed piccolo then you know the whole movie wouldn't have existed he never would have reached immortality and everything would have been fine right yeah well then yeah the the earth would have been without a guardian in the dragon balls which would have been problematic in the future if everything happened exactly as it did true (laughs) all right so piccolo is a, a big green alien man uh, and he's got uh, like pink biceps. He's super cool. And he has the, the coolest costume in all of Dragon Ball Z. You just need to Google it. It's it's fine. It's hard to describe, but it's like a cape with big old shoulder pads and he rocks it super hard. Um, but he goes by several other names throughout the series, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. He goes by Junior and Piccolo Jr. And that's because like there's this strange history to him and Kami because Kami used to be one a part of this thing called the Nameless Namekian. Uh, but he's that nameless person split into two. Um, and f- those two people are Kami, this this god of... And Kami is a title, technically, too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like God. Um, and then you also have the evil portion of him. So he split himself in two so that he could become Kami. And the evil bad part was King Piccolo. Uh, and King Piccolo, at the end of Dragon Ball, gets killed... Near the end of Dragon Ball, gets killed by Goku. But right as he's dying, he spits out an egg... And that egg becomes Piccolo or Piccolo Jr. And it has all of King Piccolo's original memories. And so he's real not happy with Goku. Um, And that's kind of where we pick up this this particular relationship between these two. And Piccolo at the end, this Piccolo or Piccolo Jr. at the end of Dragon Ball had re-encountered Goku at like the last Tenkaichi Budokai. And they had a big falling out there too. So they've had multiple big falling outs. Yeah, they're still not friends right now. Yeah, and it's actually interesting because we go from Dragon Ball where, like, demons are a thing and King Piccolo's considered a demon to DBZ where, like, all those previous demons are now just aliens, which I always thought was kind of a weird transition, but hey, you know, I love it. Well, we, we transition away from Piccolo's butt-whooping to Gohan reading up on entomology in the woods, uh, <laughs> and Chi-Chi calls him in to eat, and Ox King is Chi-Chi's dad, who is bringing all these gifts for Gohan. And so there's this, you're, you're seeing the Son family, the Son Goku family. So Chi-Chi is a Dragon Ball carryover, as is Ox King, her father. Goku kind of bumps into the two of them on his adventures. And like long story short, she's sent to go put out this mountain that is on fire, or at least retrieve an item that would do that for Master Roshi. 
but he threw it out or something. Um, so he goes over and has to use the Kamehameha to do it. But in the process, she runs into Goku. Goku pats her on the crotch. And that is actually what happens. And then she takes that as a sign of love. And from there, it's basically they get married very shortly thereafter. Yeah, um, but like she's just a few years later. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's not a slouch when it comes to martial artists. Um, and neither is the Ox King, or at least he used to be a pretty formidable dude. But what's cool, a couple other really quick details here is Gohan's shirt has a kanji on it, a Japanese character. And it just literally means like descendant. It is the sun crest, basically. And he wears that pretty much for the first several arcs, or the first arc or two, at least, of Dragon Ball Z. And Ox Kings has a little kanji on his hat that just means ox or cow, because, you know, it's right there on the 10. Um, but he is, you know, kind of walking up and introducing, or not introducing himself, you know, welcoming his grandson, and then his speech kind of trails off, and we pan up, and he's, his face is clearly in pain. And this hooded figure had come up behind him, uh, and just knocked him out, basically, and declares that he's come for the Dragon Ball. Yeah, and there's more, like, hooded figures around, because we see one on top of the house, there's one exiting the house, and these are the same minions we saw that blew up Piccolo. And the one that exits the house, who I will later be introduced to him as Nikki, uh, he reminds me of the uh, Shinigami from One Note. Like, he he's shaped oh, yeah. a lot like him, and he's also eating apples throughout the entire movie, so... Huge references there to a Shinigami, not necessarily one note, obviously, since it came way later, but it's got to be a similar, like, inspiration, I would think. Yeah, I can see that. So these ne'er-do-wells show up, they take out the Ox King, and they are about to try to take out Gohan, because he's wearing this hat with the four-star ball on it, which is, I think we know, representative of the Grandpa Gohan, who is Goku's effectively dad, you know, like his, raised him? Yeah, his, his adopted grandfather. Right, so uh, they go to take the ball, Chi-Chi obviously steps in, she's got some background in martial arts, and she tries to fight them off, she does not do a very good job, and we actually, as she's being taken out, we transition to see Goku doing the thing that he he's doing at the beginning of all the movies so far every single one yeah. killing a fish naked every single one naked he's just totally bare out there in the lake pops up with a fish he has uh some sort of like you know i, I in my notes i had he had a disturbance in the force and so he runs off to go find chi chi and it's kind of comical because he shows up and is like where's gohan as she's literally laying on the floor like broken like <laughs> she needs help right now goku and he's just like, what happened? Where is he at? Where are they taking him? What's going on? And then he just books it. And I mean, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he gets her any help or anything. It, yeah, it does seem that way. It also, it struck me that a more desperate man who had sensed this disturbance at his home would have just run back naked, that he wouldn't have taken the time to stop and put his clothes back on. Well, he was, <laughs> but, he was clothed when he met up with Chi-Chi. So at some point in time, yeah. he did. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, if he were really no, desperate true. about yeah. the state of his family, he would have shown up on the scene just buck naked. That's, that's um, a good point. Yeah, and then the the minions, not only does Goku leave uh, Chi-Chi and, and the Ox King, presumably just lying face down in the dirt like, good luck, suckers. Um, the For some reason, the minions, they take Gohan, even though the thing that they came for is just a ball on a hat on Goku on Gohan's head. So... They came for the ball and they run off with the toddler. And I Which feel is, like that's a huge misstep. <laughs> it was the honestly the biggest mistake of the movie because all Goku cares about is Gohan. If they had taken that Dragon Ball, I mean, I think that he would have eventually have caught up with them because there are events that would have taken place that would lead him to having to fight off Garlic and his gang. Definitely. But, but I mean, for sure, 
it would have been delayed if they had just left that kid there and taken the Dragon Ball. Oh, jeez. I just had a little bit of a revelation. Is this one of the only times in, like, all of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, that Goku is actually a good dad? Well, I mean, yeah. But he, 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 he does the dad thing. He does the he dad does thing. Good. He does it. And it's not even canon. Yeah, that's right. We can't even count it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but we do transfer over to Garlic's castle. They explain that they have found two more Dragon Balls and they're pretty excited about this. This is when Garlic Jr. explains that he is going to wish for the gift of immortality and they only have a few more to go. Uh, actually, they only have two more to go. I apologize. I got that mixed up. They've only got two more Dragon Balls to get. They've already got five. Um, and so he's going to wish for immortality and then destroy the planet because he wants to do that. And this is where I was like, I don't know if they're demons or they're aliens. I know that Piccolo and Kami are aliens. I know Goku is an alien, but I don't remember anything about Garlic Jr. from Dragon Ball. And I mean, maybe they discuss it more in the saga from the show. Yeah, so he and I think all of his minions in this particular movie possibly are considered Machians, and that's because their home planet was called, the, they call it the Machio Star, but it was a planet, you know, that, that they came from. And so, yeah, he, he's an alien from another place. Which is really cool, but the way that he talks about, like, raising all these evil spirits to, like, take back the world... They they draw it like they're this demon force coming from the earth or something. So I don't know. I I I like that they're aliens too, but I don't know. I miss my demons from Dragon Ball. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's funny here too because Garlic Junior asks how many Dragon Balls they have, and they say five, and he's like, "That means there's just two more." And I was like, "Thank God he can count." Um, <laughs> well, he does want to wish for immortality, which is something that Vegeta, Frieza, and Future Zamasu all wanted um, in Z and in Super. And I think Future Zamasu actually ends up immortal. Mm-hmm. I think he actually Spoilers. gets it too. Um, Gohan, of course, is flexing as you know, like a, like all kids do. My dad could beat up your dad, but in this case, it's my dad can beat you up. And uh, the the three cronies who we don't get a formal introduction to quite yet. Are, look, are like, oh, well, your dad's the one who beat up Piccolo? Well, we did that too. So it's, it's, it's no big deal. Yeah, like taking but candy this, from a baby is what they say. Yeah, but it is cool, and this is a, a cool little nod, that Garlic Jr. at that moment senses this mysterious power in Gohan. Uh, and that is both uh, a little bit of a tease for what is to come at the end of this movie and is a really big part of the events of Dragon Ball Z. In general, yeah, for sure. And I feel like they use that as kind of a hand wave to why the demon or the, the cronies took Gohan. Like, oh, well, he's got this power, so Garlic's clearly going to want to make him one of them, you know? Yeah, yeah, Garlic basically says, I'm going to take you on as a minion, but that was incidental. It yeah. was reactionary. I really want to know, though, like, I want to see initial reactions of Garlic Jr. when they showed up with a kid. Like, there's no way that he didn't mention that to them. Like, why did you bring this kid with you? Right. They had there's that. There's literally had to no have reason for it besides plot. Yeah, it had to have come up. I just, I would love <laughs> to have seen that. Uh, but anyways, Goku has headed over to Kami House. He is going to catch up with Bulma, Roshi, and Krillin. Also Turtle, who we all should be familiar with at this point. Uh, and the reason being is that they've got a Dragon Ball locator. And he knows that Gohan went with the Dragon Ball and that these creatures are going to use them for something. So he must be able to find them easily this way. And it turns out he is. So he grabs the Nimbus and flies off. I mean, how terrible would it have been if he chased the signal of the Dragon Balls and they get there and they're like, where's my son? And they were like, oh, the kid attached to the Dragon Ball. We took the hat and dropped him out of the sky into <laughs> right? the ocean on our way here. Good luck finding him. Yeah. It's just one of those dark head cannon pieces. I like that. 
we transition into this moment of the movie that I would say is probably one of my favorite moments, and it may actually be one of my favorite nostalgic moments of all Dragon Ball movies. Uh, Gohan is at this dark tower. I mean, they don't really talk about where they're at, but it literally looks like the opposite of Kami Tower, where everything's just rusty and gross instead of being like bright white and shiny. Um, has similar aesthetics to the uh, castle from Sleeping Princess and Devil's Castle. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, so he's in this small like orchard area where there's this big tree that's got these big apples hanging off of it. And the apple that or the demon that has been eating the apples comes out. And it's funny because he starts to eat one. Gohan steals a fruit and then runs off and he's eating some of it. But the demon is like, hey, you, you shouldn't do that. That's not for kids. It'll make you weird. But. I, I have to question this. Why does he care? I don't I, th- I don't know. I mean, he really is living into this role of babysitter unnecessarily. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he literally like kidnapped this little kid and then they're going to train him to be a killer. And he's worried about him getting a little drunk off of some fruit that is ripened too much. It just felt Maybe weird. That's- Maybe that's why he cared, because because of what Garlic said about training him up. And he's just like, well, now I'm responsible for this kid's well-being. And if he falls off of one of these giant stone staircases that have no rails because OSHA isn't a thing in this world, apparently, that, you know, he could hurt and Garlic would be mad. That's a good point. I just felt like it seemed weird that all of a sudden this guy had morals, you know? Yeah. Well, Gohan gets drunk immediately Um, in the English. They don't say the word drunk. Instead, they say that it makes kids weird. But in the Japanese, it's drunk. Uh, it's like the, the guy says, uh, when children eat them, they become inebriated. Mm-hmm. And boy, does he. It's, he's got blush. He's got the hiccups. He's got double vision. He's stumbling all over the place. He's even hallucinating. If listen, yeah. If you, if you listen to this with the, in the Japanese, there's actually this like original song for this particular portion that's really like, it's kind of catchy, even if you don't understand the language, called Tenkaichi Gohan, mm-hmm. which is like Gohan number one under the heavens. And the lyrics say, at one point, don't know why, but I feel so very good. And I was like, well, we know why you feel so very good. And then he says, I'm the greatest genius under the sun. (laughs) And he has visions of dinosaurs and rainbows and Muppets. And this goes on for like legitimately almost a minute and a half. And I just have in my notes that this is Gohan's Gohan is tripping Dragon Balls and uh, that it reminded me of the movie Baby's Day Out. I don't think I've ever seen Baby's Day Out. It's one of those movies where, like, a baby who is supposed to be supervised isn't for a second, and then shenanigans ensue. Absolutely. Well, that's kind of the plot of this movie, right? Yeah, a bit. (laughs) I will say there's a funny moment here, too, where Garlic Jr. is, like, overlooking this demon chasing around Gohan. I keep calling them demons. This, this, yeah, crony, that We'll get their names here in a second. Yeah, just to get them out, they're ginger... Nikki and Sancho and the particular one that is is following around Gohan is Nikki in this situation so Garlic Jr. is overseeing Nikki following around Gohan trying to catch up to him and he just can't do it like he's been evading him and he's like huh there really is something special about this kid like he he's inter- getting entertainment out of it I thought that was awesome it's so weird but they they do manage to get all seven Dragon Balls there were other villains in the course of the series that managed to do so the Frieza Force did it twice um, they did it once on Namek. They actually had all seven balls in their possession, maybe even a couple of different Multiple times. times I think on they Namek? kept getting stolen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the Frieza Force gets it again, of course, at the beginning of Resurrection F. And then Pilaf and Co. end up with the seven Dragon Balls more than once as well. Um, but these villains actually get their wish off, and Garlic Jr. wishes for uh, immortality. 
And uh, I have in my notes, too, that in Japanese, Shinran speaks in King James because uh, he, he's like, I will grant thee and have granted thy wish. And all that is pretty funny. <laughs> but uh, he wishes for immortality, Garlic Jr. does. And then he says that he's going to command all evil spirits to come forth and take on their physical forms and that they'll be free to walk uh, and that all creatures will obey me or perish. And I just have in my notes, if you're immortal, literally everybody is going to perish no matter what you do, except for you. Yeah, you just have to kick um, the bucket long enough. Right. And then uh, the Dragon Balls split off and Goku is almost killed by the four star ball. It, it reminded me of your Dark Boar's wife theory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's almost sniped <laughs> like, off almost, this on his way in. It does look like it because it, I mean, it goes right past his cheek. Like if he had been two or three centimeters to the right or left, he, it would have gone right to the middle of his face. Yeah. Yeah. Gory. Absolutely. Uh, so the funny thing to me here, I thought, was that the animators took the time to go through on Garlic Jr. and like add this symbol to his chest. And I actually watched the commentary version of the movie. And even the voice actor for Garlic Jr. was like, what is this symbol? Did like, is there something behind it? Does it represent my family or what? And I couldn't find anything on it. I don't know if you could or not. I just think it just looked like a chess piece. That was all that, that was the only thought I gave to it. Really? See, I look like a rook. It looked like some kind of like, um, almost like a family, family symbol of some kind. So I don't know. I was hoping to, hoping to find something, but nothing there for me. Goku shows up on the scene and he's just, it's kind of comical. The the comedy is toned down a little bit in the Z movies uh, relative to the Dragon Ball ones, which is, for the best, really. Uh, it's there, but it's not as forced. Um, and they're all chanting whatever it is that Garlic Jr. says. And then Goku comes up and he says, give me back my son. And then they all say that, too, um, which was pretty funny. And then uh, Goku is quickly joined by Kami. He, this golden glow descends on the scene. Uh, and I just have in my notes that Kami knows how to make an entrance. And a handful of people in this movie really know how to make an entrance. There's some really good entrances in this particular movie. But because we see Kami uh, on the scene, that also means, of course, that Piccolo is alive. So Garlic Jr. clearly recognizes Kami as he shows up, asks how he's doing. And, and Kami says basically like, wow, you're just like your father. And we kind of get this quick explanation. It's like literally all of two or three panels in maybe a minute where it's explained that in the past, apparently Garlic Jr.'s father, Garlic Sr., uh, decided to compete against Kami for the throne of Kami. And clearly this Namekian won, Kami himself won. So Garlic Sr. decided to try to take the throne back by force by raising up this army. And I guess Kami's predecessor was just like, nope, not doing that, and sealed him in a dark area. Pretty much just sealed away his power. And, you know, Garlic Sr. said, hey, I'll get revenge in 300 years. And here's Garlic Jr. just like perfectly on time. Yeah, 300 years. He must have set a watch. This did raise a couple of questions for me, though. I guess really just one. Is so when they're doing this hit animation history of Kami versus Garlic OG or Senior, the animation number one, the history uh, of the anim- the animation history looks a lot like it did at the beginning of Sleeping Princess and Devil's Castle. The aesthetic was similar, mm-hmm. but it raised this question: Is Garlic Junior a small person version of his race, or is he just a child still? Because when you see Garlic in the history, he's depicted as like as tall as Kami is. And that was 300 years ago. So what, what's, what's the deal with Garlic Jr.'s height was the question I had that was ri- uh, raised by this particular history. Well, and I think this also kind of like raises a few more questions because we don't, it's never explicitly stated that Garlic Jr. is 300 years old. 
for all we know, he was an egg like Piccolo that just needed some time to bake or something. So he just popped out of the ground, you know, two or three years ago and amassed these cronies. I mean, like, there's no way for us to really be able to say that Garlic Jr. had been planning this for 300 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. No, we, that's a good yeah, question. It's a little fuzzy on the timeline. It man. is real fuzzy. Yeah, that's a good question. Because I always assumed he was a child. Like, I'm pegging Garlic Jr. as being somewhere between the ages of like 12 and 18, you know? Interesting. I don't think I ever did that. I think I assumed that he was an, a, a, an, adult, an adult, but then you see his dad as like a tall thing, yeah. and he's not. Something I had never considered until I watched this movie, and I don't know why I hadn't considered this, but the Dragon Balls have to have been used before we see them in Dragon Ball. Like, there is a story behind them. They have these legends. Someone had to have known about them and used them, but we would have no idea what for. What kind of mundane wishes do you think were done before Oolong wished for panties? I don't know. That's a good question. I've never really thought about Yeah, I'd never thought about that before. But we know they had to have existed because there's always apparently been a Kami. We know Kami had a predecessor, which I don't think I had really thought about before. And I don't know that that's actually DBZ canon. Okay, but only the Namekians can make Dragon Balls. So even if there was a Kami before Kami, if it wasn't a Namekian, then the Dragon Balls didn't exist before him. But Kami's been Kami for a long time a really when long we catch time. up to him. Yeah, like a yeah. really long time. So anyways, Garlic Jr. is uh, obviously trying to reclaim this for his father. He's trying to take back over the world. He even kind of makes this funny quip where he's just like, well, old man, you should have given him the throne because then I wouldn't have to kill you. Uh, which it's a pretty good garlic junior impression on your part. My throat's a little pinched. It's easy, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it's funny because Goku's like, I really don't care about any of this. Just give me back my son, which I think is sort of endearing for Goku. Like you said, he's not exactly the best dad, but in this movie, he's really all about Gohan. Yeah. He makes a dash to go and get the kid and the bad guys give chase. And I'm like, but why? Like at least Nikki should have been like, no, 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 guys, guys. Trust me on this one. Just let him have that damn kid. Yeah, just right. let it go. Especially after let everything he just went through. <laughs> yeah. And they've already got what the they formal... want. You're totally right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the, we do get formal introductions to Ginger, Nikki, and Sancho. And uh, like I said, they're all Machians. Um, and their naming convention is a little obvious. If you look at Garlic and Ginger, they're named after uh, like uh, spices. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sancho is a type of Japanese pepper. Nikki is cinnamon in Japanese. Um the guy who voices Ginger is Troy Baker, and he has a really big voice acting uh, backlog. He's been Batman for a lot of things, Joker for a lot of things. He was Joel from The Last of Us video games. Oh, wow. That's cool. Um, for Naruto, he was Yamato in Pain. Okay. Um, and then he plays a couple of villains in future Dragon Ball Z movies that we'll get to. In fact, he's in the next one as well. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and then the the one who does Sancho only has this as his voice acting. This is his only voice acting credit. Uh, and then Doug Burks, who plays Nikki, uh, this is his first. I don't, I can't recall if it was his only, but it was definitely his first one. So Sancho only has maybe one line in the entire movie. Outside of that, he's just screaming. How do you think they picked that guy? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> they just were like, "You got a friend? Bring him <laughs> in. Been what we'll it make was, him right? Yeah. The initial burst of action for the fighting is just a bit of chasing and grappling, which Goku is able to break free from really quickly. Uh, the, the three Machians that are in pursuit all say strange phrases, gingerbread, tutti frutti, and cheese in English. Um, in Japanese, it's, it's different, but maybe they're the same thing. I don't know. Um, henchmen swell up in size and uh, presumably undergo a little bit of a power up. And there's more Baywatch running uh, before Goku's just swarmed by a flurry of 
blows, but he's managing them all three pretty well. I would like think he's so. holding his own, even though they do manage to get uh, a punch in. He seems to have fared better than Piccolo, but at the same time, he knew that his attackers were there attacking him. Like Piccolo had a sneak attack. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we transitioned back over to Kami and Garlic, who is. They're, they're just continuing to fight. Like, it doesn't seem like Kami actually believes that Garlic Jr. got a wish off, which seems weird because we know that, like, half the world turns dark when the dragon is summoned. So, and it, with him having an innate connection to the dragon, I feel like he would be able to know when it was summoned, but I guess not. Um, so, obviously, Garlic is like, you fool. Uh, but we transition back over to Goku, who is back in action. He's taken on all three, and he is actually, like you said, doing a really good job. Uh, but two of them are able to kind of get him pinned down and shoot a key blast at him. And he, as he's about to try to block it, we get our first introduction of Krillin in the movie outside of when he just showed up at the very beginning for a brief second. He, he intercepts that attack and he's here to help. He's like really, really awesome. Just shows up in this great moment and he's right there ready to take down some of these uh, Machians. Um, but as he's about to, another person shows up piccolo right in the nick of time like i mean like right back to back they just all show up it's like just perfectly lined up there there's such good intros too like um entrances by krillin and piccolo here are top top shelf although like i did wonder what kind of danger goku was really in if krillin can swat away those beams uh and then (laughs) piccolo has such freaking swagger when he rolls up on this scene oh when i was a kid piccolo was my favorite character until the Majin Vegeta stuff kicked off. Really? And then Vegeta was it. Yeah. Piccolo was freaking dope. Yeah. And and he is he rules this movie as far as just like presence. Essence, and, yeah. Yes, yeah. he's so cool. It's so funny, too, because uh, when he shows up, I assume he's kicked down a door. Like, he hasn't, but the way that he's standing at the top of the stairwell is just like, he kicked down two double doors and was like, I'm here to kick ass and take names. And he yeah. even tells Goku, like, settle down. I'm not here for you. I got something to settle with them. <laughs> Yeah, Krillin runs off to be closer to Goku because he still perceives Piccolo as an enemy. Um, and then this is where Krillin gets pissed on by Gohan. And and he stands there just taking this golden time. shower for way too long. It's like 10 seconds. And of some of it, there's some like Foley work of, of him gargling it a bit. So it gets like all up in his mouth. It went on for far too long, but that doesn't make it any less funny. It was kind of funny. So now Goku knows where... Uh, Gohan is. He's about to send Krillin in that direction, but we catch back up with Garlic Jr. and Kami, who have begun their battle. Kami uses I-beams, and Garlic Jr. gives us the equivalent of just barely outrunning a stream of bullets before headbutting Kami in the gut, and then blasting him into a pillar with a small uh, beam, and then just pounding him into it with his fists. Um, So Kami seems very clearly outclassed by Garlic Jr., even though, like, I don't know that we've ever seen Kami really fight, so it's hard to have a reference, but it's very clear to me that Garlic Jr. has the upper hand power-wise in this particular matchup. I actually had the same note, that I couldn't think of a time in DBZ where we saw Kami actually fighting anything. Like, even when he's got Z Fighters up in in the tower training, I don't think he's actually the one fighting with them. So uh, it's kind of cool to see him in action. Uh, but we transition back over to Piccolo fighting uh, Sancho, and it's amazing. Like, Piccolo's just wrecking him. I, I mean, th- there's no question about it. Uh, we see Krillin start to grab Gohan and run off, so that way he's got him protected. Uh, and then, basically, Garlic comes back in, takes Kami down, and, I mean, we-, we do see them kind of fighting in and out. There's a lot of transition back and forth here. Uh, but a large portion of this scene is also where Goku picks back up the fight, and he is 
pretty easily able to take out uh, Nikki and Ginger now that Sancho's not also there. So uh, it's pretty cool because this whole scene is like a weapons fighting scene where Goku's using yes. the power pole and Nikki and Ginger both have these really cool like demonic looking swords. In fact, they, they reminded me a lot of demons from uh, Yu Yu Hakusho in this particular instance, just with the way that they were fighting. I do have a note here, though. So Goku's using the power pole, which he shouldn't be using because he gets rid of it in Dragon Ball. And I think he uses it for the first couple of movies that are DBZ movies. But yeah. that power pole is actually what connects Korin's tower to Kami's tower. So he doesn't have it even in the second half of Dragon Ball. What do you mean he gets rid of it? You remember, I haven't seen the end of Dragon Ball, so I didn't know that he got rid of it. What does he do? So there is a, a, a moment in Dragon Ball where it's decided that Goku needs to go meet with Kami. And when he does, it's like, oh, well, how do we go get to Kami? Because Kami's tower is way above Korin's tower, which is the tower he mm -hmm. had to climb. It took him forever, you know, and he drank the water and then he only did it in three hours. Well, we know right. it, canonically speaking, the Nimbus Cloud can't fly up there, which it gets addressed later because we've def definitely seen Nimbus Cloud up there in DBZ. But in Dragon Ball, it couldn't. So in order to climb up to Kami's tower, he takes the power pole, which connects Korin's tower to the bottom of Kami's tower. So anytime oh. you've ever seen DBZ images where like Kami's tower is uh, floating above the clouds and there's like a small pole connecting it down to Korin's tower, uh, gotcha. that's the power pole, which is why it can cool. extend. The whole point behind it extending is that someone like Goku would come along, connect the two, and he is a person of pure heart. He can go and speak with oh. Kami and things like that. Cool. Well, yeah. yeah, look at that. I learned stuff. There's a whole I like do... lore behind the power pole that's really cool. That's awesome. I, I do have a couple of notes about the, the events that you just covered, too. One of them, <laughs> Garlic Jr. is holding Kami by the front of his shirt over this ledge. And then Kami has this like literal glow up where he turns gold again and like bursts out of uh, Garlic Jr.'s grasp. Yeah. And I just have in my note, apparently that moves gives uh, gives Garlic Jr. pink eye because like he looks back up and his eyes are all pink. It, it was like a strange strained or thing. red or something. Yeah. 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 And then uh, you had said that Ginger and Nikki flex these swords out of their body, which is pretty cool. Um, and Goku does a great job of dodging and blocking with this power pole and it's scabbard mostly because his hair does get cut and i have in my notes that i would have loved to have seen that visual continuity for the rest of this movie because <laughs> it's not like a couple of hairs get cut off it's like one of his like one of his chunks of hair is gone it's like his whole right side yeah but he he does man he he claps uh nikki and ginger pretty hard ends up finishing them off with a kamehameha i think this was a note that i took from the commentary as well that uh he reduced them to sketch which is a really funny idea because that is a visual gag that we see a lot in Dragon Ball. If somebody, um, if somebody gets caught up in a beam and it kills them, it, they do kind of dissolve in, into this weird sketchy um, mass in the light, which is and I, maybe he said that or maybe I thought it. I can't remember. No, that does I, sound, credit that the, sounds familiar because I watched the commentary, too, and I think that's also what he said. All right. Well, Kami, Kami at this point has real dumb idea to uh, use self-destruct on the immortal I guy. know. I thought this uh, was so stupid. I'm like, it, it, not that they've given us a reason to think Kami's dumb, but he literally just told you he was immortal. Why would you even bother? Yeah, but he, he does kind of give up on that idea. Um, but Piccolo shows up on the scene, and uh, this is so good, because Garlic Jr. says something like, you'll die and I'll still be here. And then Piccolo says, when I get through with you, Garlic, you'll wish you were dead. Yeah. You'll be completely helpless. Just try to imagine how it would feel to live on forever with the ability to do nothing with your power in eternity where there's nothing but you. Piccolo is 
gangster in this movie, and I love him. Yeah, the the person that did or was part of the commentary was the voice for Garlic Jr., and he kept referring to Piccolo as like a Western scene every time he shows up, and it's I had never considered it that way, but it's a good way of putting it. Like they there are some serious Western vibes, like when Piccolo's just standing there, wind blowing, like. Oh man, I have this note too that in the Japanese, Piccolo just says, "I'll give you a taste of hell." <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's so it cool. It is dope. Well, Goku shows yeah, up. Japanese can get away with so much more than we can, apparently. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, Goku shows up right next to Piccolo, and he's telling Krillin, like, hey, get Gohan out of here. We're going to take these guys on. I mean, they mean business. And Garlic Jr. realizes this, too, because he powers up. He gets huge. And I say huge, huge for his standards. Like, he's just kind of big for theirs. Like, he might be the same size as his dad at one point in time. But... You know, he's he he gets he's massive compared to Goku and Piccolo. He like ends up with their heads in his hand just straight. But it's not uh, consistent because when he first powers up, he's standing right in front of them and he's like a head taller than them. And then like three, four or five minutes later, he's got their hands in his palms and he's like four times bigger. And then he shrinks back down later. So I'm convinced that his his size is just like varying all over. He does not have good control of that. Well, here's what I wrote about his size. I said um, he he powers up and he becomes massive. His shirt can't take the expansion, but thank God his pants can. <laughs> that's awesome. Because his shirt just explodes off of <laughs> yeah. him, but he's, he keeps his pants on. Man, that's awesome. He immediately rushes past in between Goku and Piccolo and delivers elbows to their backs on his way past, which is a move that I'm pretty confident Raditz does in um, the actual anime. Uh, he shoots a beam at Goku or Kami. It's hard to tell because they're both lying on the floor next to one another. But Goku wisely slings Kami out of the way because if Kami dies, then he also loses his fighting partner and the god of the earth. So and the Dragon Balls. Like good, yeah, good call, Goku. Um, so Garlic just starts tanking blows from Piccolo and Goku with a smile on his face. Like he seems to be outclassing them right here. Um, they he, he takes a point or he gives a point blank range beam that does a ton of damage to all the building. Uh, sends Goku and Piccolo flying. Uh, Krillin gets KO'd by this giant stone beam as this bu- these buildings are falling down around them. Um, and he drops Gohan, who's still drunk, and Gohan just slides down into this pit and gets covered up with rubble, and that becomes relevant here in just a minute. Yeah, then Garlic Jr. comes out of nowhere, grabbing Goku by the throat, Piccolo by the head, and he's running them through all these columns and then through the wall and, like, throws them into the courtyard, which this is the scene I'm talking about where he's, like, definitely huge compared to them. Um, yes. But then when they're in the courtyard, he seems like he's relative kind of to them. Uh, but rega- he's standing at a good distance at this point. That's though, true. So maybe it's a perspective. Thing. That's true. Uh, but both fighters are standing there. They decide that they're going to take this seriously now. So they drop all their weighted gear, which is definitely something that happens uh, when they fight Raditz. Uh, Piccolo drops like his headgear and his shoulder gear. Goku takes off like his shoes and his uh, his gi. Uh, so they're both totally ready to go, and they attempt uh, to it. fight Garlic Jr. I mean, they're landing some hits, but it's not like they're really overpowering him at first, it doesn't seem like, until they kind of like get powered up, and they both do this key blast, which just totally wrecks him, it seems like. I mean, it sends him flying, uh, but he does end up standing right back up. I mean... It's pretty quick because like the moment they do this, they seem totally spent. Uh, it seems like they've used up most of their energy. And Goku's like, hey, we've won. Even Kami comes out and congratulates them. But Piccolo is kind of not super feeling it. Like he turns around and starts to fight Goku. And then right as they begin, Garlic Jr. pops up out of the ground and is like, you've not killed me yet. I mean, they, they, this really doesn't last long. 
no. Um, he he's not down. He's he's buried in the rubble long enough for Piccolo to be like, all right, now it's me and you, and for there to be a little western, uh, like standoff mm-hmm. between the two. I was waiting for like a tumbleweed to blow on through the scene as they stood there motionless, just doing a good old Dragon Ball stare at one another. Um, which is, you know, another feature of this show. Man, do we need to start incorporating stare minutes? Stare offs, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'll think about it. Probably not, but I'll think about it. Um, but yeah, uh, Garlic Jr. breaks up out of the rubble and he immediately starts opening a portal to a, what is called the dead zone. And it's just this giant black hole-like thing. It starts sucking everything in around it, buildings and etc. He says that not even light can escape it. So, you know, black hole and stuff. Uh, and people, of course, are not immune to being sucked in. Uh, so they begin making their way towards this opening. Piccolo, or Goku actually snags Piccolo um, and gets him onto a beam. Krillin is being dragged unconscious for a while until he awakens just in time to grab a pillar by himself. And he does it in this hilarious way where he kind of like swims towards a pillar, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like in the air. Can um, they fly the anime... at this point yet? No, none okay. of them can fly I didn't fly think yet. so because Goku took the Nimbus, but... Yeah. Um, so... Goku or Garlic Jr. calls it the dead zone. He's making this big production of it and everyone's barely hanging on. Goku ends up like there's this great animation of him being sucked towards the the uh, the dead zone through several pillars. And like every time he hits one, it's like a single frame transition into another really awkward and painful looking pose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's glorious. Piccolo even sends a key blast at Garlic trying to like either stop him or send him in himself. And he starts to get sucked in, catches onto another column. But this key blast doesn't phase Garlic at all. Like Garlic has started this and he's not stopping it. Everything's getting sucked into the dead zone, including Earth. And he even says like, all right, I'm trapping everyone in here just like you trapped my father stuck in darkness for eternity. And at this point, the gang is barely hanging on. Like, everyone is getting pretty loose. Gohan pops back up out of the rubble, and he's crying. Uh, he flies off. He's, he's, I say he flies. He doesn't fly off, but he comes up out of this rubble pretty pissed off. Like, his eyes are completely white. And this is a recurring theme for Gohan in some of the earlier Dragon Ball Z stuff, where he gets super mad, powers up, and he has this huge power spike. His eyes go white, and he seems like he can't control it. And it's it's pretty nuts because Garlic is realizing he's powering up. And so he starts to shoot a key blast at Gohan, but Gohan's like screaming and powering up. And it's it's kind of funky because they make it seem like he just screams really loud. And this causes Garlic Jr. to kind of like lose his grip and get flown or thrown into the dead zone. But it also almost feels like he shot a key blast at him. Like there's a part of me that goes that wasn't just a scream. Yeah, I think the way that I I remember it being depicted in the movie is that it it does seem like it is primarily like this weird concussive uh, vocal from Gohan that that boops um, Garlic Jr. into the dead zone. But I also think that it shows almost like this this uh, orb of light emitting and expanding mm-hmm. from Gohan that might be the thing that boops him into the dead zone. Absolutely. I have in my notes, too, that I just have Garlic Jr. is about to get a handful of that mysterious power he was so enamored by <laughs> earlier. Yeah. Um, it's pretty great. Anytime people go all white in Dragon Ball Z, somebody's, somebody's going to die. Someone's it's, getting hurt. It's, it's, it's trouble. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny, though, because like, as he's flying into the dead zone, he's like, I've not been beaten. I'm immortal. <laughs> I mean. Which is true, but that's why this dead zone thing is really going to suck yeah. you. And it's strange because as he goes into it, it the, the dead zone collapses and he's sealed up in it. So it's kind of like it was a concentration spell and like getting booped caused him to break his concentration. Either that or 
if for some dumb reason, if the caster of the dead zone ends up inside of it, that it automatically closes itself as almost like a fail safe. Well, I think it's like a paradox sure. or something. I mean, it's the whole animation is kind of strange because as it closes, the sky like cracks and everything falls, shatters. Uh, literally shatters like glass. And then there's a scene at the end where we can see into it at the bottom of an ocean. It's kind of weird. But it's, it kind of reminded me of the Phantom Zone stuff from oh, Superman yeah. 2. That's a good way of thinking of it. Um, the yeah. reason that I feel like it's got to be some kind of a paradox is because Kami explains that Garlic Jr. fell into his own dead zone as if this was an instance he created by himself of his own power. And the fact that he's in it, he's no longer able to give it what it needs. It's absorbing him. It's absorbed the power. Therefore, there's no more fuel, basically. Oh, gotcha. That's the way I understood yeah, it is- that. It is his move. Right. Like um, all of the wikis say that this is something that he created, that he's he's designed this particular move. And like with a lot of other beam attacks, his power level spikes when he's doing this thing, which might explain why that that uh, beam that Piccolo shot at him earlier, it literally just pinged off of him, like ricocheted off. No problem. Uh, Garlic Jr. didn't even flinch uh, because his power had spiked. I think. But it seems I think that's the explanation. There. It seems so weird to me. Like I, I don't like that only because this isn't a beam attack. It feels like he opened a portal to some other like plane or dimension. Like I get he may have needed to power up, I suppose, to fuel this portal, but I don't see it as like a beam attack or even an attack. It was like a, just a thing he could or should have been able to do whenever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I understand that. What's interesting is uh while I was poking around on, on the internet that some other uh, Dragon Ball Z games actually have the dead zone as a, a move that your character can perform. And in some cases, it is depicted as a thing that you fire at somebody. Oh, really? That, that can, yeah, that can miss and has effects when it hits, uh, like trapping them in a dimension and some other things. So um, I'm not saying that that's, you know, any counter argument to what you're saying, because what you're saying makes all the sense. But I do think that it, it was, if you think about it in that that vein of a concentration spell or kind of like Goku charging up the spirit bomb, you know, like there's, there's a lot of effort that goes into that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Like there's gotta be a lot of energy poured into something like this and that energy has got to come from somewhere. So, you know what I mean? Plus he was rooted, man. Like he wasn't budging. No, he and, wasn't. And it's, it's safe to say that, he, I mean, obviously he's not immune to the suction of that thing. So when everybody else, literally everybody else, except for Gohan, but even he stumbles yeah, a little he was bit resisting initially. It. He was hardcore resisting this pull, like almost gravitational pull for sure. Um, right, right. And, and Garlic was just not moving. No, but it's his so. spell. So, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense, but I don't know. He did get pulled into it later, so maybe not. Right. But hey, we're getting well, nitpicky, I think. Uh, yeah, well, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what, what we're here that's for. That's what we're here to do a yeah. little bit. Uh, yeah. Krillin asked what happened to Garlic Jr. To which I just have in my notes: Were you were you not watching? Pal? He was holding uh, on. He just, couldn't watch. He was I watching guess. his. He's he, a small he man. He was watching his knuckles turn white. That's what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kami makes the comment, of course, that it's ironic that Garlic Jr. suffered the same fate as his father. Gohan doesn't remember what happened, which is another uh, tropey thing. Initially, uh, like only in early Z, I think he kind of shakes out of that um, a little later on. And we get a scene of Kami, Gohan, Goku, and Krillin all walking off into the into the distance, and Piccolo standing atop whatever rubble is still there of Garlic's castle, and he just says, uh, "Our battle will have to wait for another day." But it never really comes. Like Goku and Piccolo don't ever have the fight that Piccolo wants them to have because yeah. it just it just doesn't happen. You know, that's a really good um, point. Like even in DBZ proper, we never really see that storyline again after Raditz. I mean, there's always the Vegeta versus Goku thing, but. 
Right. Piccolo and Goku never really go back at it. Like their power levels get so drastically different really quickly in the series that we don't ever get anything like that. Right. Well, spe- and speaking of things that also never happen, Goku is having this thought that he's going to tell Chi-Chi eventually um, about what Gohan did when he saved the world. I don't think he ever does. No. And another thing he says that I get a real big crack out of as he's like flying off into the sunset with Gohan in his arms, he says, well, you've been through a lot. Let's go home. I know your mommy misses you a lot. And at this point, I really feel like it would have been great for them to transition back to a scene of her just laying on the ground for two seconds. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah know? please. Like, what happened to her? Oh, gosh. That's great. <laughs> please let that. That's our that's new headcanon. I love that. Uh, he just picked oh, up some, uh, uh, you know, sensu beans on the way home. Those aren't even in this movie yet, though. So although he has access to them, I'm pretty sure, because Corin has given them to him in Dragon Ball already. So. Right, I, right. That's had to have been what happened. He just picked up some sensu beans. He's like, that's why he's not worried about Chi-Chi and Ox King. Either the Dragon Balls or the sensu beans. He's got two outs. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, it's, it's terrible, but it's, it's perfect headcanon. Yeah. Well, and then perfect. this is where we transition into the sea with shards of glass that contain a really skinny, emaciated-looking Garlic Jr. for some reason. Right. And the movie yeah. ends. That was a good movie. Yep. It's the end of the movie. So let's talk about uh, the Raditz skill here. Uh, so some of the numbers of the heroes are pretty well established canonically, especially in the manga, um, because like we said, this is supposed to take place around the same time, the same exact year where Raditz shows up on the scene. And when Raditz comes, he has a fancy power detecting device Woo-hoo. and he does us the favor of telling us what Goku and Piccolo's powers are, which helps give us a little bit of frame of reference for Garlic Jr., who is the person that we have to sort out. I would say that the scouters are one of the more iconic uh, pieces of technology from anime. Like, I feel like I see things oh, yeah. like that in other animes now all the time. So that's a that's a really cool thing that has been introduced into the world, I think. Yeah. And so. With originally in Dragon Ball Z, um, Goku and Piccolo are in like the 330s, 320s without um, or with their weighted clothing on and they jump up to the 410s, like 408, 410, 420, something like that. Um, So that gives us a little bit of a frame of reference for Garlic Jr., who I would say that when he's the angry buff like Hulk Garlic Jr., it seems reasonable that he would be at like 800-ish. Because Goku and Piccolo without their weighted clothing would be just north of 800 uh, canonically. And I think that the time that they did the two beams on him, like if Goku, if, if Garlic Jr. weren't immortal, that that would have killed him. I agree. Yeah, I think, I think pegging him at 800 whenever he is like buffed up uh, is a good level. Maybe even higher whenever he's doing some of the more advanced techniques that he does. Uh, but I think yeah. that's a solid, solid area. What's interesting is I actually found a, a Reddit post where someone was talking about a video game uh, on the NES named DBZ Saiyan Assault, and it had power levels for the Garlic Jr. and and all of his minions. Apparently in this game, you fight Raditz, and then right afterwards, you fight Garlic Jr. as if he like shows up secondary for some reason. And in that game, they had Garlic Jr. listed at 2,500 when he's little, and when he's big, they had him listed at 3,500, so like way higher no. than where we're pegging him. But hey, yeah, that video game totally wrong. wrong. Uh, but I just thought that was a fun side note, like the fact that they were in an old NES game. I can't say I've ever played an NES DBZ game. 
Me neither. Man, I remember being on the hunt for the Dragon Ball PlayStation 1 games back in yeah. the day, though. And them Jokers were expensive Dude, in the United no States because they were impossible to get a hold I of. I remember coming across a Game Boy Color fighting game when I was real little in some shop somewhere. It wasn't even like a GameStop. And they had it. It was outrageous for a Game Boy game. And like, couldn't get it because of that exact reason. Right. Well, I, I think that... Um, Considering that uh, these characters also canonically see ju- big, pretty big spikes in power when they use their various beam attacks, that it's reasonable to say that Garlic Jr. saw a little bit of a, a power increase while he was doing the dead zone. Um, I found a couple places that listed him somewhere between 1200 and 1400 when he's actually engaged with deploying the dead zone. And I think that those numbers make a little bit of sense because Gohan's little rage spike in the um, canon is like 1300 something. So 1200 seems right-ish um, since he's able to boop um, Garlic Jr. I agree. So I, I, on the Raditz scale, I have him somewhere between 0.8 Radeye and 0.96 Radeye. Not quite one, but pretty close, which I think is that makes all of the sense. I totally agree. I'm right there with you. Big question for you, though. Do you think one and a half Garlic Juniors could effectively take out a Raditz, or do you think Raditz would oh, overpower yeah. him? No, I, I think, no immortality, think, just base Garlic Junior. Yeah, I think, you so. think so. I mean, I feel like, see, I, I, I kind of feel like we haven't seen enough of Garlic Junior to see if he is that much smarter than Raditz. There's a part yeah, of me that think thinks the, that it would be a really good fight. Yeah, the, I mean, the other thing to consider too is like when he's not doing the dead zone. I don't think that. T- I don't even think. Like two, like full garlic juniors, beefy boy mode would be able to take Raditz. That would be a close fight. Uh, but if yeah. you're looking at just the pal- just like the 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 dead zone maneuver itself, I think that that would suck and Raditz. Right I out. do too, yeah. and I think he could easily trick Raditz into the dead zone. So yeah, I'm gonna say garlic junior, especially if there's more than one of him. Like if it was even just garlic junior and his cronies, easily take out Raditz. Yeah. Um, holler minutes for this movie were two point seven five. So. Dragon Ball Z is starting to earn its reputation. And just for perspective, like that's that's about three minutes, which is seven percent of this movie (laughs) is just screaming Um, because the runtime on this movie is only 41 minutes, which is kind of interesting. I started looking at the runtime for the other movies. The longest one we've had so far was actually 50 minutes, which was the first one. um, Curse of the Blood Rupees. We don't get over an hour until Tree of Might, which is not for another two movies, two or three movies. Um, all of these movies had theatrical release in Japan, but do you know which one was our first, the U.S.'s first official Dragon Ball movie theatrical debut? It had to have been this one, because I feel like I remember seeing this one way before any of the other movies. For theatrical release, I'm saying. Oh, uh, for theatrical release, it'd be Battle of the Gods, I'd guess. No, it was um. Well, kind of technically, the first one would have been Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess <laughs> because it came out in two thousand. Oh God, we're gonna watch that one. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Oh, I yeah. think everyone forgets about that one. <laughs> yeah, I I do think Battle of Gods was the ne- was the next okay. one. Um, but yeah, technically Dragon Ball Evolution in two thousand nine. But let's talk about this runtime thing because it got me thinking as I was looking at this. 41 minutes is two episodes of the anime. Okay. That's it, because most episodes run 20, 22 minutes, something like that, with commercials sure. to fill up a half-hour block. So I started thinking, would the show have presented these events in two episodes, or would they have done more? I think that the argument 
would necess- it has to be that they would have done more, that this wouldn't have been only two episodes if it were presented in a TV format. And so I started thinking, well, what would the TV show not have included that the movie did? And what would the TV show have included that the movies gave no time to? Um, And this might be something that we have fun thinking about for future movies as well. Um, But for this one, I just thought that the Gohan's little hallucinatory trip, that would, I don't think that that would have made the cut in the television show. Um, That felt like a a movie only, like experimental minute and a half, like, because that's too much time in a in a television show format to 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 vote to a gag like that. Yeah, I agree. I can um, see that one not making the cut or it or then being I w- scaled way back. Yeah. Um like I could see him in the show eating the fruit and then like showing the early signs of drunkenness, the blush and the double vision and then him mm-hmm. passing but out. But not his own little like, like I could see that. movie montage sequence. Yeah. Um and then for something that the show might have included and expanded upon that the movie didn't have the space to because of its format, I think that the show would have spent more time on the Garlic Senior background, mm-hmm. like maybe would have animated it more more on um, like house style for the anime, like we would have seen more of that. Uh, I think that that could have, that, at least that's a good candidate for something that they could have devoted a little bit more time to, and it makes sense in the television show format. Yeah, I could see that. I'd I'm willing to bet that if this had been in the TV show, um, they probably would have done more with the Ox King and Chi-Chi in the beginning. You would have seen someone come to and take care of them or them getting taken care of instead of it just being like, well, I guess we'll die, you know? Uh, so, <laughs> just leave yeah, up. like I feel like there would definitely be a little bit more there. And I'm sure that somehow Bulma would have ended up at the freaking Garlic Jr.'s tower. Like, no way she's not there because Bulma's involved in everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there'd probably be a little bit. They I don't said know. They Yamcha said, wasn't even at Kami House, but I bet he would have been there in the television. Well, show. yeah, because he's a bum. He doesn't have anywhere else to live. Well, just because Bulma's there so is what too. I would say. There's that too. Uh, like I was actually shocked that he wasn't on the scene because Bulma was there, well, and this is like during the time where they're definitely. No, well, this is the time wait. when they're not together. I'm pretty sure because yeah, they're fighting at the they're beginning fighting of at Z. the beginning of Z. So. I don't That's think right. that they, they would have been together. It wouldn't make sense for Yamcha to have been there. Although, I would love to have seen Yamcha get ruled or owned by Ginger, Sancho, and Nikki. That would have been fun. <laughs> Man, he catches enough from literally everything. You're not wrong. Like, he gets bodied by the Cybermen. He gets beat up by some of the... Wait, is he at the Cell Jr. thing? Now I don't... Yeah, he, yeah Cell he? Jr. definitely takes on Yamcha. I mean, I think there's even a okay. scene where Yamcha's like, I shouldn't even be here, man. <laughs> that makes sense Yamcha becomes self-aware yeah, no he totally does like really quickly um but I, you know I now that I'm thinking about it I I wonder if we ought to start like a Krillin gets owned count as well just from the movie perspective because even in this movie Krillin does get owned a couple times like he gets peed on by Gohan and then he gets knocked out by a rock so there's at least two yeah he I mean he throws the two beams and that's the entirety of his fighting yeah so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how often, how much, uh, how frequently it comes up because these movies scale really fast. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, Krillin isn't able to keep up. Well, and the long. timeline for the movies are kind of weird to touch on that real quick. Cause the next few movies feel like they could all be within really a couple of years, like, or even a couple months, but the events in DBZ are like spread out more than that so it's it feels kind of weird because in the movies you go from like oh these four take place in three months and then these four ten years later so yeah man these movies are bonkers and it all a lot maybe most anime movies are they'd be if you tried to 
fit them neatly into the actual shows. Mm-hmm. I'm lines. curious, are there any that you think have done movies well? Like in audience as well, if you think there's an anime movie that fit into the canon really well, like tweet at us or, you know, t- let us know. I'm curious what you think. Yeah, see, I initially thought before I had the questions about what the movie and the show would do differently, I thought that starting with Battle of Gods and Resurrection F, that those were treated, I mean, majorly as canon. Like, definitely, if you watch the anime, things are different. But again, that could be taught, that could be kind of hand waved away by this discussion about the limitations of a show versus the limitations of a movie. Um, Broly might be the the new one, Dragon Ball Super Broly, uh, Broly. I do think that one has the potential to be an actual canon it is. movie. They haven't done anything with yeah, it yet. Yeah, they've mentioned it in the manga. So it's canon, uh, but it's not been covered in the manga. It's just been mentioned to. Yeah. So in, compared to the earlier Broly movies that aren't canon, period, and they don't even really fit into a timeline well at all. No. I mean, they're they're giving some fan service in Super with um with Kefla, or not Kefla, with um, Kale. Yeah. But that's that's it. Um, yeah. So anyway, let's 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 rate this yes. movie and then, and then uh, we'll talk about the other ones we'll, when we get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll save yeah. those discussions for their appropriate time and space. So one to seven. What did you think? Adkins? So I found I found this quote and I know you did, too, because we discussed it beforehand. I don't I think it was on the wiki um, where the anime news network is uh, is reported as having grade graded this movie overall as a C plus. And it says uh, that the movie's action is choreographed very well, but the plot is thrown together and is basically just an excuse for fighting, which is like, okay, fair, accurate, right? But at the same time, you could put that exact verbatim review on the cover of any Dragon Ball Z movie, and I would still buy it and watch it because that's what I'm here for. And that would still (laughs) be an accurate review of the movie, too. So, I mean, but that's the point. That's the point of these movies. Like, that's what... I think DBZ has such a huge following because of this thing exactly. So, I mean, shoot, I'm not going to take Anime News Network for serial now. That's for sure. I mean, they're not wrong. No, they're not. But I don't, it's not a knock on the movie. I thought the movie was fine. In fact, I am going to give this 5.5 stars. Nice. I'm going to give this six stars. This is one of my favorites. Ooh. This is a heavy hitter for me. And I know that may some of that may be veiled with nostalgia, that extra 0. 0.5, because if it wasn't for the fact that this was my first Dragon Ball Z movie, I would probably give it a 5.5 too. But I love it. Like, it's action-packed. We've got cool characters. We've got a semi-interesting plot. Like, there's a bit of peril involved, even if it wasn't necessary. Uh, it's fun. It's a cool movie. And they can do a lot with it because the villain kind of just goes away. You know what I mean? Like, in fact, one of the things I found online, and I, I'm fairly certain this is a is an accurate statement. This is the only DBZ movie where they take a villain and make filler for him. Like none of the other movies really come into the show at all. Correct. Uh, yeah. Until Broly again, but kind, kind of. of, it's, it's different. different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that Dead Zone is really well paced. It opens one with, or it opens with one big old holler and an ass whooping, and I don't know what there's t- not to love about that. Well, really. the animation for the fighting um, is done really well too. Like really as far is. as a really fighting is. movie goes, it looks great. This is a great movie. Yeah, I would say that you do lose a lot of that Dragon Ball sense of adventure, and I'd say that the majority of the humor from the Dragon Ball stuff is gone. It's there some. Um, and this is going to be largely true of most of what's to come for yeah. us, if I recall I mean, correctly. the tone from Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Z was that exact thing. We go from big adventures to big fights. Right. And 
it's been so long since I've seen the majority of the Dragon Ball Z movies, but I feel like this one's going to stay towards the top relative to the others. So I'm going to guess that I'll definitely rank five or six movies higher than this one. Um, but we're covering 30 or more of these things, counting like the foreign treatments and OVAs and specials. So top 10 feels pretty, pretty yeah, fine. Yeah, this one will definitely be in my top 10. I think there will be others that I rate higher, but this one's going to be, this one holds a special place in my heart always. Well, next time on Kyo Cinema, we are going to be watching Dragon Ball Z colon The World's Strongest. And just as a reminder, I don't actually know if we've said this on uh, Kyo Cinema, but Adam and I are going on a, a short two week break um, just because our day jobs have ramped up in some ways that we find it hard to find the time to record and edit. So the next episode of Kyo Cinema is not going to go live until November 15th. Um, and if you're listening to the Almighty podcast, um, we are also taking, of course, that same two-week break, but you will get an episode of that a week earlier than that on November 8th. Yes. So you've got some extra time to hunt down the world's strongest, watch it, and then join us for the discussion. And to be fair, if this is your first time checking in with Kyo Cinema and you've never heard of Almighty Podcast, go check it out. We cover My Hero Academia and My Hero Vigilantes. It's We're like almost, by the time this releases, we'll be almost 90 episodes through. That's crazy. It's it's mind boggling, so, but we're we're enjoying it all, and we invite you to as much of it as you can stand. And we also have Twitter accounts for the Almighty Pod, and we have a Discord channel. That if you find yourself on our Twitter, there's a pinned tweet that I believe has a link to the Discord, and you can hop in and ha have conversations with us about really any any anime that you want, because that's what we do all, all day. day long. But it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. We will see everyone in a few weeks. See you guys. Hey everybody, this is Adam, and I really hope you enjoyed our coverage of The Dead Zone. It's certainly one of my favorites, and it was a blast talking about it for the past hour. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast player of choice. Don't forget to tune in to Almighty Podcast for all your My Hero needs, and follow Almighty Pod on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, at TheRealSimzo. Keep in touch, and we'll see you in another week or so.